The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And today we're talking about schizophrenia, which is a topic dear to my heart. My stepbrother was diagnosed with this disease at a young age, and it was extremely difficult for him. Unfortunately, his story is not uncommon, and the struggles of this illness are great. We're speaking today with Stephanie Marone. Stephanie runs the Animal Messenger Sanctuary, a safe haven for farm animals, and has an energy medicine practice for animals of all species. Since 1993, she has operated Angel Editing Services, specialized in books on mind, body, spirit topics. She's the author of 10 books, and today we're discussing The Natural Medicine Guide to Schizophrenia. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rebecca. Um, You know, I I think this is just such a great topic to to bring a, a different way to look at schizophrenia. A lot of people are afraid to even discuss this, especially if it's not in their lives. It's something that's somewhere else and seems to be somebody else's problem. So I'm really happy that we're, we're bringing this to light for people to understand what's going on. I am too, because uh, I think in the, in the psychiatric realm of, of psychiatric diseases and illnesses, uh, schizophrenia would be like the cancer of mental illness. Nobody wants to hear the S word because it's just scary. And it's yeah. true that it, it, you know, it's similar to the whole notion of cancer because there really is very little that can be done for it. And it can be controlled somewhat with medication, but that's why it's such a big and hairy monster because um, there's, people get it and they, their lives are destroyed in many cases. Yeah. Um, can you, um, you know, we'll get into that more, but can you just tell us how you came to write a book on schizophrenia? What drew you to do that? Yes. Uh, well, I, I got my undergraduate degree in dance therapy, and I didn't become a dance therapist, but in my practicums for getting that degree, I was exposed to different institutions. We went in and did work with the populations in those institutions, and there were... I worked with autistic children, and in, in one case, I went on to a lockdown ward, and many of the people there were schizophrenic. And it stands out in my mind that I was in the, this lockdown ward, and this woman came up to me, and she just looked at me with this with sort of a blank look, but also looking at me. It was a strange combination. And she said, how do you want my face, scrambled or fried? And that stayed with me so poignantly because she was obviously deeply troubled and living in the, on this ward, which they 
never got off of, so they spent their whole lives in here. And it was, um, I determined then that I, I wanted to do something about it, which I thought was dance therapy, but I'm a writer. So I ended up, um, a, an editor friend of mine who was working for a publishing house said, what do you want to write about? Um, we were thinking about something on mental illness. And I said, oh, great. And so he said, choose the, the ones you want to write about. So schizophrenia was one of the ones I chose, uh, along with autism and bipolar disorder and some other ones. Um, so, you know, it's really interesting you're doing dance therapy with them. We did a show a few weeks ago here on music therapy. So you're probably doing them a lot of good going in and helping it's them very, to Yeah, it's that. very powerful because you really, you know, talk therapy does very little. Uh, you need to somehow sidestep the brain. And, and music and dance and art are ways to do that. Yeah, which it connects to a, a deeper level that you're not doing, you know, talk therapy works, they um, probably wouldn't be in a lockdown ward. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so can you just tell us exactly what schizophrenia is? No, I can't, because no one really <laughs> knows what it is. And that's, that's the amazing, one of the amazing things about it, is here's this whole, this whole psychiatric profession, and there really is not a definition of schizophrenia. And what it comes down to is they're describing a cluster of symptoms. And delusions and hallucinations are two of the main ones. Um, uh, hallucinations can be any of the senses. So it could be auditory, could be visual, could be tactile too, which uh, the feeling of, of someone brushing up against you when there's no one there. And these, uh, these symptoms um, really come, they come together to be almost like a syndrome that is known as schizophrenia, and the National Institute of Mental Health, the only thing, the only way they define it is to say it's a chronic, severe, and disabling brain disease. But in actuality, um, there have been no genetic or brain abnormalities identified in the case of schizophrenia. So there's no scientific proof of the disease. You can't, you know, look at someone's brain um, in an autopsy or, or beforehand in a scan and be able to tell that this person is schizophrenic. Uh, which is really interesting because some people do say that it is genetic, but in your book you say we, you haven't found, they haven't found that link yet. And no, often, we call it a, sorry, go ahead. Well, often you're saying there's no history in families as well. Right. So there's a, uh, there's something called familial vulnerability. That's a better way to say, say it than to say that it's genetic because there is no gen proof that it's genetic. But there do, does seem to be a, a familial vulnerability. And does that mean that in the, in the family, um, the weak system of the body is the brain and the nervous system? It could be because that's the way natural medicine looks at diseases is that there is a you know you have a weak system. One of your one of the systems of your body is your weak point, and that's where when certain factors come together, certain environmental factors come together, that's the the system that's going to collapse. Well, you know, uh, one of the biggest trends in my shows because I I've chosen mainly to look at what's causing disease, not illnesses themselves. And I mean, in your book, you lay out basically everything that we talk about in these shows that could be a factor. Mm. Um, so you're talking about food and environmental and um, vitamin deficiencies and all these things that are basically leading up to other illnesses. So, it, you know, I think we're all vulnerable. It just displays in different ways for people. Exactly. And the, maybe the, 
the, the weakness that you inherited for some people's immune system. Um, maybe that is why there's a breakdown, why you get a certain disease as opposed to another one. Yeah, um, and I guess time will tell when we understand more about this, um, what exactly is going on. Because at the moment, like you said, we don't know. And mm-hmm. we just have a, a lump of, of uh, syndrome symptoms, um, which was in my stepbrother's case. Um, it took years before they um, said schizophrenia. Um, and I think it was because the symptoms had to display themselves. And uh, in your book, you talk a lot about how people's, sometimes their... Um, their diagnosis does change according to what's going on at the time. Yeah, and it's a, it's a slippery diagnosis. So some people may be diagnosed with it, and it is not schizophrenia, or there's, you know, there's a whole range of uh, like subcategories. Schizoaffective is one of the diagnoses. So it's all, it's all a little, it is a little slippery. Okay. So... I mean, what effect does this have on the patients and their families? This is obviously the the person at a very young age is changing. And, um, you know, if you're having delusions and hallucinations, um, it it must be difficult for people. What do you, um, because, I mean, you've told me you get a lot of emails. What do you hear a lot from people that's going on? Oh, I get emails where people are in crisis um, or um, um, I'm hearing as the, the chapter in my book that's on the shamanic view of mental illness was excerpted online, and that I began to get lots of emails from people with schizophrenia who said, at last, someone understands. And I, I just want to say right here that this is, this is a little bit dangerous because one of the things that is, is not included with that chapter online is a disclaimer saying, um, don't go off your medication without supervision. It's dangerous, um, partly because the drugs, there's a, a, a rebound effect from the drugs if you go off them. So you, that really needs to be done under careful supervision of a, medic, a qualified medical professional. So that's a, and a very important point to say right here that just because shamanic view of mental illness looks at it as a healer trying to be born or the, the confluence of energies from you know, mixing with the energies of this world, with the world beyond, which uh, it seems to particularly resonate with people with schizophrenia, which I find fascinating because I think that that's not a delusion necessarily that that really could be going on because there's so much we don't know about the energetic realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't conclude that they're simply crazy and imagining all this because too many of them are having it. So what's really going on? We don't know, but it's very important for people that look at that viewpoint, which really confirms for them their own reality in many cases, uh, to not go off your medication just because someone understands this a shamanic view explains a lot of things. That's not licensed to go off your medication because it's really dangerous to your health to do so. So, I mean, when, when we talk about the medication, it, it, I, I think there's a reason why they're probably so desperate to get off. Um, you know, you... Um, is talking your book about how the World Health Organization found that psychiatric drugs um, have more of a negative outcome for schizophrenia, and I think that that might be the side effects that they're experiencing, and maybe the high doses of many medications. Uh, yes, and the the old the old class of drugs for schizophrenia were terrible. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that the new class is all that much better, but it's slightly better, perhaps. Um, the 
the numbing out of all feeling, which is also uh, the flat affect is one of the symptoms of schizophrenia, but it's also, if you don't have that, the, the old class of drugs will probably give you that. Um, they used to talk about something called a Thorazine shuffle, which was, uh, you would, it, it's, it's the movie kind of appearance of schizophrenia, which on drugs, you know, the, the old-fashioned mental Ill, mentally ill ward where the people are shuffling around just looking like uh, robots. Um, it just removes all affect, and then, and then you do this, this walk that's like a shuffle. Um, so there's good reason why people don't want to be on medication. Uh, it, it really does produce a lot of side effects, and even the new ones um, can produce things like drooling and drowsiness and fatigue and dry mouth and rapid heartbeat and, and other symptoms and even Parkinsonian-like symptoms. So... It's understandable that, that people don't want to be on these medications, but on the other hand, on the other hand they have been life-saving. The antipsychotics have definitely saved lives because suicide is, is one of the dangers in schizophrenia. So, Well, I know for, for my stepbrother, um, when he was medicated, he found he couldn't um, be the artist that he was and that it was stopping him from being who he was to be medicated. And uh, he chose not to take medication, which I, you know, I understand why you're saying that that is dangerous because he, he didn't survive the fight of his disease. But um, I, I think that I understand not wanting, I understand wanting to feel like who you are. And even though the disease is making you not feel that way, the medications don't help you to find who you are either. That's a really good point, and that's something I hear a lot as well. You ask me what I hear from people. That's also a common complaint in bipolar disorder because in the manic stage, people can be very talented artists. And, in fact, there's a history of it in, in the art world, um, not just painting but music as well and um, other, other of the arts. Uh, Vaslov Nijinsky, the famous Russian dancer, uh, was schizophrenic, and he was absolutely brilliant. So... Yes, that's understandable. I don't, I don't criticize people at all for wanting to go off the medications, but I know, I know that it's a very risky thing to do, and it certainly needs to be done under the supervision of a medical professional. And uh, that's why, one of the reasons why I wrote this book and why I chose schizophrenia, because I wanted to give people information on some other options. And I think one of the most promising, and I don't know if you want to talk about this right now, but is orthomolecular medicine. And there, we say that there is no, I, I said earlier that there's, there's no research so, showing certain brain abnormalities in schizophrenia, but in fact, uh, Dr. William Walsh, who is the heir apparent of Carl Pfeiffer, who is in turn the heir, heir apparent of Abram Hoffer, who's the, the father of orthomolecular medicine, uh, William Walsh has, has a huge database of uh, you call it, what would you call it, um, a biochemical database where it, it's got the individual imbalances and deficiencies of each patient who has come through his institute. So it, it's, it's a gigantic database, and it, it does show that certain imbalances go with certain so-called mental illnesses. So he has a database for autism and for bipolar disorder and for schizophrenia. And that's why they're they're suggesting orthomolecular medicine, which is massive doses of supplements to try to correct some of those brain imbalances. 
Well, I mean, it's really interesting that, you know, we're in a society where we're eating poorly and our soil is depleted of its nutrients and we're not getting those things, but yet we have a medication system that says that that they're not important. And then in your book, when you talk about, you know, the sometimes very simple treatments for schizophrenia, just some simple vitamins and and then their lives are turned around. Um, th- those are amazing stories. Can you just tell us a little bit about what actually happens when people change and shift in that way? Yeah. And at first I want to say it's not simple. Um, I don't, I don't. It seems simple. <laughs> you yeah, know, when you're simple. like, you just yeah. need, you yeah. know, a few I, I vitamins it, and in a couple yeah. of years you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the, the caution on that is that it's not going to help you to go to the store and buy a bunch of vitamins and take them and think that's going to cure your schizophrenia. The reason is, is that there need to be megadoses, and you're not going to be able to take enough of the stuff you buy in the store to do that. Plus, the, all the natural medicine doctors I know caution against random supplementation. You need to find out exactly what it is that you need, which is why Dr. William Walsh's work is so important. Because he, at his institute, he has, I'm just calling up, I, I, I want to give his, his new information because the book, the schizophrenia book does not have his new information. And I just want to say right now, it's www.walshinstitute.org. And what he does, what the doctors, he's training doctors now who do his work in the orthomolecular medicine. What they do is they... First, they do testing to find out exactly what you're deficient in. Then they have a compounding pharmacy. So they have, a, they have um, the, all the supplements and minerals, vitamins and minerals that you need put into one formula because one of the things that's difficult in schizophrenia is medication compliance. So if you have 20 pills you have to take, it's unlikely it's going to happen. But if you compound all those substances that you need, then it's more likely that compliance will it, it'll, it will be easier. Um, so th- that's what I mean by it's not particularly simple because you have to, you have to do sophisticated testing and make sure that the compounding, that the, what, what you're giving the, the person has been compounded to match the deficiencies and imbalances in their brain. So when you say mega doses, um, are we looking at people that are, uh, you know, I mean, we all look, oh, our iron's a little bit low and we just need to take a regular supplement and treat that and that would be a regular person. But with schizophrenia, do those doses tend to be a lot higher than what you would generally want to take? Much higher. And, and you, uh, and the, it needs to be really high quality supplements so that the amount you're taking is, is the biggest bang for what, what you're taking. <laughs> So uh, it is very large doses. And when you asked about the changes that can happen, is that uh, what Dr. Walsh has discovered in, in his work, and, and Abram Hoffer discovered the same thing, is that some people are able to lower the doses of their medications to the point where they're not having side effects. That's really great when they're doing the orthomolecular medicine. Some people, a smaller group probably, are able to go off their medications under supervision and then a third group has to keep it the way it is, the medications. So it's not a guarantee that this, uh, that this is going to work, but it has helped a lot of people. And the same is true for bipolar disorder, too. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I find, I, I mean, I, I just, I love this part because we, we tend to, it, it, I mean, you're saying mega doses and you're saying it is complicated. And obviously you need to do this under the supervision of somebody that understands and then get help going off your medication because 
there's issues there as well. But when you look at just saying this is down to your basic core of vitamins that we all need, that just needs to be adjusted for you as a person. And then, you know, in your book, you talk about going onto these lower doses of the vi- of their medication and living normal lives, whereas on their medication, their lives are not normal. Yeah. It almost seems like a miracle. You're, you're absolutely right, and in some ways it is simple. You're, you're right, because how amazing. You, you, you do biochemical testing, and then you correct the imbalances and deficiencies, and there you have it. Um, and it's not, um, it does seem like a miracle, and I, I, don't, I, I still don't understand why Abram Hoffer's work is not more well-known. And, in fact, he was Canadian. Oh, I love that <laughs> for for us Canadians. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think that this is just showing another one of those gaps where we're, we're focused so much on the pharmaceuticals. And obviously in this disease, um, you know, they're, they're lacking because the, you know, when people are on seven medications at high doses and they're still um, not able to live a normal life or leave their homes or, you know, suffering the way they are. I don't think that that's even um, doing no harm. I, I think, you know, it, it should um, be a way where they can find a way to have a happy life. Of some kind. I, I, I agree with you, yeah. and I, I like it that you said the do no harm. That's in the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. We seem to have lost sight of that in the medical profession. And I, I think um, one of the things that, you know, the pharmaceuticals are important in that, in that they can, if you want to look at it this way, they can keep people alive. Um, and in some cases, people do have a better life with those, um, on those. Um, but they're basically managing the symptoms as opposed to trying to correct the problem. And I think that's one of the premises of natural medicine, or not I think, I know it is. One of the premises of natural medicine is that you look at the underlying causes and contributing factors and you, you address those rather than simply trying to manage the symptoms. Um, one thing um, I found fascinating in your book is the work of Dietrich Klinghart, um, who actually I'm, I'm quite aware of his work and I've taken some of his courses. Um, you know, one of the things I specialize is, in, is Lyme disease because of my own story. So when, you know, you had him in your book, I found that pretty exciting. Um, you know, when he talks about the family constellation work that he does, um, and, you know, there, maybe we can just talk a little bit about what that is so that people can have a little bit of understanding of that. Yeah, I- First, I want to say I think Dietrich Klinghardt is brilliant. If I had anything wrong with me, I'd go to him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not very available as a doctor anymore. He does a lot of training of doctors. I, th- I think he's retired for taking new patients now, is which he? is unfortunate. Oh, yeah. What a loss. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, the family constellation work is a, another fascinating area. Um, I, I, I find it amazing. So the, the basic premise of that is that there are, there's an energetic le- often an energetic legacy in a family that there is a person in one of your ancestors um, let's just say someone with, let's just talk about someone with schizophrenia so maybe their grandfather was excluded from the family for some reason uh, they ostracized him or he was uh, he he was a no good guy and so they they exed him out of the family nobody talked about him anymore or when they talked about him it was disparagingly so he was not an accepted family member the energetic legacy of that kind of 
uh, exclusion gets passed down through the family, and it can come out in later generations as illnesses. It's an imbalance, and imbalance needs to find a way out is the premise. It can be well, there, also... There's, there's a, what, one thing that's interesting is there's actually been some studies on genetics, and they've shown that we do um, genetically inherit traumas. It changes DNA. And so yeah. then that gets inherited, and probably as it goes down through the generations, it get that DNA sequence gets weaker or more damaged with other trauma. So if, you know the health. Some people will you know can look at this family constellation and say, or um, you know how could that be? But when we look at the studies and the DNA studies on this, we can see that there is actually something to this that um, is quite relevant. Yeah, that's a good point, because there's the biology of belief now, there's a whole field of epigenetics that's new science, and people need to know about that, because what it's saying is that your brain is not wired the way it is forever. You can actually change it. It's neuroplastic. And, and your genes, um, Dr. Walsh used to say, biology is not destiny. You can change your biology. With, this is the orthomolecular medicine. The same is true of your, your DNA. So you can reverse these energetic legacies or these DNA legacies. Um, another exclusion would be a family member who died and everybody was so upset they don't want to talk about it. So that family member is gone from the family tree and needs to be brought back. So the family constellation work um, works on uncovering these links, looking back into the family's past to see, all right, where, where are the problems, problem areas? It's sort of like trauma will out so meaning it has to come out somewhere and it where does it come out down the generations in a child who grows up to be an alcoholic or have terrible asthma it can be anything and so it's just amazing what dr klinghart has discovered that when these the exclusion the excluded family members are acknowledged when that that when that ancestral scar or that ancestral wound is healed, often what the person has disappears. So he gives examples of asthma as one, where the asthma became not an issue at all for, the, for a person who, I think in that case it was um, a child who had been buried and not acknowledged, uh, or another child was named after that child and yeah. they ignored the existence of the first one. So it, it sounds a little far out perhaps to some people, but... Again, these are areas that we know very little about, and I find it fascinating the, the, you can call them miracles, recoveries that have emerged from this. Yeah. Um, what, what I, the nice thing about what you did with Dr. Uh, Klinghardt, or what he spoke, the story example, was that he did the family constellation work, but he also had to do other work as well on different levels with the person, which shows the complications of disease. You know, sometimes it is just the vitamins that we need, and sometimes it's, you know, other things that we need, and sometimes we have to work on these levels that we have very little understanding of to heal this. And, and it, it does make sense to me because there's so much illness that we just can't heal. And uh, when we're looking at these complicated diseases that we really um, aren't helping very much, I think we have to go beyond our scope of knowledge. Yes, and even we have to approach it multifactorially within our scope of knowledge because there's, there's, uh, that's why I find Dr. Klinghardt's 
model of the five levels of healing so powerful because, as you say, with a complicated disease or illness, uh, it's very unlikely that it's going to be one factor that needs to be addressed and fixed and, okay, then it's over. Um, The Western medicine tends to look for the silver bullet. Well, there is no, probably with schizophrenia, there is no silver bullet. It's going to be numerous factors that need to be addressed, the same is true with autism and bipolar disorder. Um, But correcting the brain chemistry with the compounded, tailored-to-the-individual supplements is it gives the person the building blocks to be able to handle the rest of the healing. And that's what's so important, to be able to return the person to a place of functioning that they can actually address these other areas. Yeah, I I think that that's important as well. We are going to take a break. Um, We're speaking today with Stephanie Marone, who's the author of The Natural Medicine Guide to Schizophrenia. And we're talking about just um, looking beyond uh, pharmaceuticals to help with the, um, the illness of schizophrenia. We're going to be back shortly. If you have any questions about the show, we are recording live, so you can um, call in or uh, message us on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and we'd love to hear your comments about the show. We'll be back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and I'm here today with Stephanie Marone. She is the author of the book, The Natural Medicine Guide to Schizophrenia. And in this book, she interviewed several doctors to find out other solutions or options available to schizophrenics. We do want to um, just make it clear that if any of these resonate with you, you need to find a qualified practitioner who knows how to help you as well as stay on your medication until you have their permission and your doctor's permission, um, or maybe even just stay on them and use these therapies to help you work through your illness. So Stephanie, um, we talked before the break about, um, you know, supplements and vitamins at very high doses, as well as the family constellation work. Um, One thing that I find really fascinating in your book is the shamanism aspect. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I, I would love to. Because I find it fascinating as well. First, I want to say before I get into that that uh, Dr. Walsh, um, he on his website, um, walshinstitute.org, there is a, a find a practitioner key that you can push. So you can, that can help you find someone who's qualified in that area. So shaman, shamanism and shamanic healing. Um, Shamanism is an ancient form of spirituality that is practiced all around the world and has been since ancient times, um, some say since the Ice Age. And, oh, the shamanic healing, um, it, this is kind of hard for people to understand if they haven't had any experience with it. It's really another way you could, you, you could also call it psychic healing or indigenous healing, uh, but the important part of that, about it is, is that it's rooted in ritual. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Maladoma Some, who is the person that I interviewed for this, this chapter on the shamanic view of mental illness in my book, The Natural Medicine Guide to Schizophrenia, um, he emphasizes the importance of ritual as part of the healing practice and that in the Western world we have lost ritual and it has left people without the the container that helps them handle passages of life. And, and he also feels that it's very important in terms of ancestral relationships that you need to honor the ancestors. So that's one of the rituals that he does. And disconnection from the ancestors, in his view, is one of the components of, of mental illness. Um, so what exactly um, do they do for schizophrenia, I guess is the... <laughs> question well i i yeah that is a good question and (laughs) it's it's almost an impossible one to answer because i don't know of any shamans that are set up working with schizophrenics i think it would be a really great thing if in the western world we could have a shaman connected with each mental hospital that i think that would be marvelous um dr some was really talking about what he has observed in making the bridge from his African um, ancestry, and also he he grew up in Africa, but he works in the Western world, and part of the reason why he does is because he was kidnapped as a child by missionaries in Africa and brought up in in the mission um, to do missionary work. So he got the Western training, but was still African. So he missed his initiation, which happens at 13, initiation into manhood. And so they agreed, his village agreed, he eventually got back to his village when he was in his 20s, 
and they agreed to do the, they agreed that he at this advanced age could have his initiation and it was very important for his development as a human being and for him to move forward in life. So the ancestral work that he does um, is, he's not focusing on schizophrenia, but he's doing a lot of ancestral work in the United States, helping people reconnect with their ancestors. And one of the things that this is very important for is the white community and the black community because there's so much baggage from the, their ancestors in this country. Guilt, shame, anger, all kinds of emotions that go with our history here in terms of black and white. And so he is doing that kind of work. Um, the shamanic view would be that um, a, a person with schizophrenia has conflicting energies that have come into their body. So this kind of, this kind of and into their brain, this kind of fits with the view that, uh, the, the conventional medicine view that, that Schizophrenics are lacking a filter in their brain that helps them to filter out everything in the world in a, in a, a way that makes sense of it. So there's something wrong with that filter is the, is the theory. And so uh, it can be overwhelming sen- in, in terms of the senses if, you're, if you have schizophrenia. And the same view of all these energies coming in that the shamanic view holds um, would apply. Uh, so the idea is that there needs to be work done with the individual shamanic healing to reconcile those energies or expel some of them so that the person um, doesn't have this, these conflicting energies in their energy field. So, um, you know, Dr. Somme's story talks a lot about how, um, well, there's a story about taking a boy to his village to see if the what happens in his village is the same with what the Western world needs. And he talks a lot about how, or I guess you, you do for him, about how the um, a lot of schizophrenics are actually healers. And um, because we don't know how to approach that in our society, we're, um, you know, medicating them and locking them up, I suppose. Yes, that, that's something that you asked what I hear from people. Um, people, uh, I get emails from people with schizophrenia who, who know that they were meant to be healers and that um, the, the shamanic view is that mental illness is a healer trying to be born. So they, there are a number of people that resonate with that. And I, I do believe that you know, any trauma you go through makes you more compassionate toward other people. So it would make sense to me that uh, a person with schizophrenia who is able to heal themselves with the help of whoever, medical practitioners of, any, of all different kinds, um, if that person is able to heal themselves, then they would be in, the, in a position to help other people heal. That's uh, you know, pretty profound when you look at um, how sick they are and how shunned they are um, yeah. by society and even by the medical establishment. They're you know, locked up and in straitjackets and very, very uncomfortable. Um, you know, even if they're not, they're just very uncomfortable people. And I, I, it does make sense um, for anybody who's had, you know, contact with this illness that there is something that we don't understand about it. And I can see why a lot of schizophrenics are saying that this resonates with them a lot because um, it resonates with me a lot for, for this illness. I, I, also, I also think that um, in the West, we don't honor... We don't honor alternative ways of thinking. 
we, we shun alternative ways of thinking in many, in many well, as a culture. Um, and so I think there's, we're, not, we're missing out here. There is, there is a lot that a person with schizophrenia, that people with schizophrenia have to teach us, and we're, we're, not, we're not getting that, that teaching. Um, I think it's unfortunate. And you know, the view is they're not productive members of society, so therefore we don't need to listen to them. I don't agree with that. Uh, I think we do need to listen to people with schizophrenia just as we need to listen to people uh, of all different persuasions and thoughts and uh, we need to listen to alternative thinking. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think disease is a way of telling us either we're going in the wrong we're going in the wrong direction, and even if that's the direction that's um, allowing this disease to continue without finding that resolution for it to help these people. Um, in your book, I mean, you you touched on rituals, and you say Dr. Somme says that it's very important that we have rituals, and in his village in Africa, you know, he had the ritual even though he was an adult to become a man and that is something that we're missing a lot and he's not the first person I've heard say that this is um, something that's missing is where you know we're rejecting the church and and we're kind of our only ritual is television and you know junk food Um, what kind of help is that doing for people or how do they find that that's a hard one because our culture doesn't really support it. Um, I think you have to go to alternative places in the culture. So uh, I, I, for example, am a part of a, a Gaia circle where we have ritual observance every two weeks. And it's, uh, it, it, it's an earth-based spirituality. We do, we do a lot of the things that uh, would be done in an indigenous um, ritual observance, which is drumming, calling in the four directions, um, meditation and chanting or singing, and um, and I think that it's very calming and centering and grounding, and it it brings it brings those of us in the circle back to what really matters, which is connection. So I, I think that's one of the important things about ritual is that it it fosters connection. It reminds us that we are connected. It connects us back up to source to each other to the earth. So I, I, I think it's a tremendously important. I think that uh, people can build ritual into their lives very simply, um, simply lighting a candle safely <laughs> every morning and making a prayer or say, stating your intention for the day or whatever you'd like to do with lighting that candle. And then don't leave it burning. <laughs> don't burn your house this, down as your ritual. <laughs> I say this because when I was 16, I, I gave candles to my, my dear childhood friend, and um, we burnt down the house. So <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> ever goodness. after, I'm saying this. <laughs> we left the candle burning. Um, oh, dear. So, you know, these rituals are, are, are easy to build into one's life, and they can really be a, 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 a grounding thread. Oh, that's kind of a mixed metaphor there, a a connecting thread. Well, and, you know, that's a a really simple solution, too, just lighting a candle. It doesn't have to be something um, too dramatic, you know. It's just something that um, has you, not just a ritual, but some sort of reminder or however you're taking that, a prayer or, um, you know, just thanks, 
And um, I think a lot of people, when they start doing that, find their lives change anyway. No. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's really true. And, um, and I, I also think when we light a candle, we are connecting up to um, thousands of years of, of human life because people have done that throughout time. So we're connecting to everybody else. And, um, I, you know, my animal healing work, um, I have people come to me who have, have lost an animal to death, and one of the things that I, I tell them is, or I suggest to them is, put a picture of the animal somewhere, put flowers or whatever you want, and light a candle there as a remembrance and um, to just spend a moment with that animal. Um, and people have told me they find that so incredibly healing, just doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in most cultures, there is a tradition like that. Um, you know, in, in Dr. Somay's village, they, they, you know, have this connection with the ancestors. And this is the same in a lot of other cultures. And we, we've, we've lost touch with that. And I think even the family constellation work is, is, is doing that in a different way. Because in this Western society, we, you know, a lot of people don't even know their great grandparents' names, or sometimes even their grandparents, and yeah. uh, they they have no connection to them, and and there's a a bit of a, you know, oh, I have to go visit my grandparents' attitude sometimes that's um, a little bit different than in other cultures where the elders are respected, and and we're missing a lot of that where we are now. That is very true, and uh, um, I think I mentioned this, but Dr. Somay says that uh, he really believes that part of the reason why there's so much illness in the West is the disconnection from the ancestors, is, is that in, in the view of his culture, you can't possibly be a healthy society if you're disconnected from your ancestors. And I, I, found, that, uh, I found that profound. I, I, I really do believe that. And I, in, this, in, the, you know, in the United States, we... We, and I don't know um, if this is true for Canada where you live, but in the United States, there's a certain pride of disconnecting from the past. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and the youth culture, as you say, with you know, not, not respecting elders. Yeah, that that disconnection from the past, I think, is is you know contributing along with everything else we're doing. Disconnection from the past, disconnection from the earth, disconnection from nutrients, and uh, disconnection from ourselves and our emotions. Because of course, it's not healthy to feel emotions. And so, when we're looking at these mental illnesses like schizophrenia, or if you want to, if it's bipolar or anxiety, those are looked at as separate from the body. And the body is looked at separate from the illness, which is makes I, I think adds to the illness because a lot of time people are afraid to deal with it or recognize it, and they don't want to get help for it because you're not strong if you have this, and you um, you know that's how it, it's viewed. Is that something that you hear a lot from people as well? Uh, I actually don't, but um, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. So I, several things. Um, one is uh, you can't disconnect from the past successfully and, unless you've dealt with it. So if you have not healed the past for yourself and done what you can to help the ancestors, if you haven't done that, um, you haven't disconnected from it. You, know, you may think you have. You might say you are, but you haven't, and it's still there kind of festering. So it's going mm-hmm. to create problems in your life and then uh, um, in terms of uh, the view that 
you you can heal it. Um, I believe that the it it's braver to turn and face your illness um, than it is all those people who who dismiss it and, and refuse to look at it. I think the truly brave ones are the ones who are turning to face their illness and trying to do something about it. Rather than running from it and continuing it, running. Yeah, because it takes mm-hmm. a lot of strength. It really takes a lot of strength to look at the shadow, and that's what you're going to find when you turn and face your fear and your, your anger and your grief. Mm-hmm. One of the things in your book you talk about a lot is um, psychotherapy. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much the only accepted thing that people have available when they do have a mental illness. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and how you've seen that work? Yeah, I would add to that the, the two things that are available in the, in, in the conventional psychiatric profession are the psychotherapy or the psychiatry talk therapy and pharmaceuticals. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they would um, do a combination typically for a serious mental illness. And I don't disparage that. Um, I've had a lot of psychotherapy myself, and it's, it's, it's helped me tremendously. Um, I think there's definitely a place for it. Uh, and I, I don't think many people would say, many people in the conventional medical profession would say that talk therapy uh, is going to solve schizophrenia. I, don't, I, I doubt there's, uh, there may be a psychiatrist somewhere who would say that, but not many. Okay. Because on its, but that that's not to say that it, it isn't helpful. It is, but on its own, it's not going to do it. In so, most cases, in most cases, yeah. And and when, you know when we've talked about these other things, where the the orthomolecular medicine, where they need very very high doses. So even if they are taking some supplements, they're not getting the dose they need. And then these um, family constellation things and the. Um, the shamanism aspect and then it's I think it might be rare in talk therapy they get to (laughs) all of those or um, you know maybe going back into some family stuff but it depends on their training I suppose if there's that resolution made as well I think yes and I think with uh, a condition as serious as schizophrenia um, you really have to do some uh, deep healing work in whatever area that's going to be or combination of areas. I, I edited a book, um, in my, another one of my businesses is the editing, as you said at the beginning of the show, um, and I, I focus on mind, body, spirit books because I believe it really does take looking at all of those to, to heal. Um, and well, I edited a book by the mother of a um, a young man with schizophrenia, and, and if people don't know, it often hits, it, it often strikes in the 20s when people are in their 20s, and that was the case. Actually, this one um, might have been 18. Um, it, he went off to college, and it began. Anyway, um, she used all different kinds of healing, and it's uh, just a her her view on it was, was that no one thing was going to do it, and she was she was adamant that she was not going to just have him be someone who had to take medication and that was all that the intervention that was done so she she really got him to the uh, the two of them together got him to the point and uh, we've met with a lot of help of, of various healers of all different kinds um got him to the point where he could actually live a close to normal life and uh, you know what's the name of that book oh 
I'm not. I'm not remembering <laughs> at the moment, and I'm not. I'm not sure. I, you know what? I'll, I'll email it to you, and you can put it okay. up on your site. Sure. Um, well, I think it's important when when you're saying that that um, it, there is layers to this. There's layers to every illness, whether it's just very simple. You need to do a small cleanse, and then um, might just be that, or might be that, and working on some emotional stuff, or just a few other layers of things. But I don't think that as human beings with the complexity that we have that we can get away with there just being one thing that's going to help our illness so pharmaceuticals being that one thing that's mainly used in schizophrenia I don't think that that is the answer for something so complicated that probably has four or five layers at least to it that's creating this um, illness yeah and that that so-called magic bullet you know they're often looking for that in cancer too but I think uh, that psychiatrists, there are probably very few psychiatrists that would say that what they would tell a patient most often is, um, you just have to live with this condition. The medication is going to control it, but it's not going to cure you of schizophrenia. It's commonly viewed that there is no cure. Mm. Um, which I, I is why I think there's so much despair for a lot of people that have it. And I'm, I'm glad we've done this show so that we can um, direct people that th- there is other options to work along with your medication. And before we end the show here, we do want to just state again that um, if you choose to do any of these therapies we've spoken about, please find a practitioner that um, is experienced in this and don't go off your medication until you've been given the go-ahead by you know your doctor and it's done properly so that um, you know this is an easy transition for you to do Um, so Stephanie before we end the show is there anything that you would like to add at all Uh, I would like to say uh, just to the people out there who are listening who have schizophrenia I think you're incredibly brave you're not alone and even when things seem the worst, there is help. And I, may you find it. May you find the people that you need to help you heal. Um, and keep looking until you do. I think that's with any illness is that there's so many layers that someone might help you with too, but you got to keep looking for all of them. Yeah, I um, know there's not going to be one magic solution. Yeah, exactly. So we've been uh, joined today by Stephanie Marone. Um, if you'd like to contact her, her website is um, Stephanie Marone, um, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-M-A-R-O-H-N.com. And she did speak about the WalshInstitute.org in the beginning of the show. Um, if you have any questions for me, my email is anantacalgary at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a great show. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. It was my pleasure and very nice to have the show with you. Yeah, thanks so much. And thank you all for listening. Please make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.